This is The UU Perspective with your host, Sharon Merrill. This is episode number 14 of the UU Perspective Podcast, where you can hear weekly interviews from Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists that are changing the world through the stand they take on issues facing our world today and who facilitate making a difference in the communities around them. Whether you're already a member or a seeker exploring the faith, there is something here for everyone. From personal spiritual growth to inspiration that impacts the community, you'll be opened up to awesome possibilities. So sit back and relax and enjoy the conversations you're about to hear. All right, we're going to have a little fun with this episode, and we're going to take the last 13 episodes that involve 15 people, and we're just going to roll out all their quotes along with their answers to the big question of how is Unitarian and Unitarian Universalism as a religious denomination uniquely positioned to serve and impact society? So it's going to be fun to hear how we roll out, especially the answers to the big question, because you'll hear a lot of similarities, but at the same time, even though we're saying, how are we uniquely different to take a stand and make an impact, it's amazing that we're all on that same wavelength of of how we want to make that happen. So enjoy this episode, and you can find all the quotes in the show notes if you'd like to go back and kind of see all of them in one place. All right, so here we go. Reverend Rena Shear, Director of Lifespan Development at the Unitarian Universalist Society of Cleveland. This was a quote that I learned when I was reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The, the quote is, examine yourself first. Brother and Sister, young adults, Luke and Amber Scott. I like one by John Muir a lot uh-huh. because I spent some time out west in Yosemite National Park. And it's sort of a long quote, but well, I'll read the whole quote. Yeah, read it. Okay, he says, Another glorious Sierra day in which one seems to be dissolved and absorbed and sent pulsing onward we know not where. Life seems neither long nor short, and we take no more heed to save time or make haste than do the trees and stars. This is true freedom, a good practical sort of immortality. And a particular song that has lyrics that strike me is the song Thanksgiving Eve by Bob Frank. And the chorus goes, What can you do with your days but work and hope? Let your dreams bind your work to your play. What can you do with each moment of your life but love till you've loved it away? Carrie Stewart, facilitator of the new Jim Crow classes and smart church consultant. One I use sort of on an everyday uh, basis is from Marianne Williamson, and uh, Nelson Mandela often quoted this. But it is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Casey Slack, seminarian at Star King. From a book by John Green that's called Paper Towns, it says, It is easy to forget how full the world is of people, full to bursting, and each of them imaginable and consistently misimagined. 
Peggy Lagadny, Unitarian Universalist Pagan. Well, my favorite quote comes from Doreen Valiente in The Charge of the Goddess. She said, And you who seek to know me, know that the seeking and yearning will avail you not unless you know the mystery. For if that which you seek you find not within yourself, you will never find it without. For behold, I have been with you from the beginning, and I am that which is attained at the end of desire. Meg Riley, Senior Minister at the Church of the Larger Fellowship. So I go back over and over to this book that the poet Adrian Rich wrote, actually during the first Gulf War, called What is Found There? Notebooks on Poetry and Politics. She says, uh, what if is the first revolutionary question, the question the dying forces don't know how to ask? Reverend Melanie Davis, Our Whole Lives Program Associate. The quote that inspires me that I keep on my, my bulletin board is from a book called The Miracle of Right Thought by Orison Sweat Martin. And the quote is, Do not be afraid to demand great things of yourself. Powers which you never dreamed you possessed will leap to your assistance. Reverend Joe Cherry, Minister of the Unitarian Universal Society of Cleveland. Um, so, I was at a workshop and we were talking about writing prayers. The prayer goes like this. If we have any hope of improving the world and ourselves, we must be bold enough to step into our discomfort, brave enough to be clumsy there, and loving enough to forgive ourselves and each other. May we, as a people of faith, be so bold, so brave, and so loving. Reverend Renee Rahutsky, Congregational Life Staff in the Central East Region and Program Manager for Leadership Development. So the quote that inspires me is from Jesse Cavalier, who is a local minister um, who died in 2004. There is no path to God that bypasses your neighbor. Reverend Dr. Susan Ritchie, UU Historian. Well, this is going to sound like negative inspiration, but I really do find it um, helpful. And that is, I love an Annie Dillard quote. So in her final paragraph, she says, I think there's no greater sign of God's goodness and forgiveness than that the church has been allowed to exist. And, you know, that, that might sound a teeny bit cynical, but I find it really helpful in remembering that, you know, it's kind of the purest expression of faith, I think, to understand that our institutions um, will sometimes fail us precisely because they are human institutions. Reverend Steve Dick, the Executive Director of the International Council of Unitarians and Universalists. These are words from uh, R Rabbi Rachel Naomi Remen, who, you know, had a very challenging life, uh, suffered through illness, and, and so she talked a lot about the ways we relate to each other. She wrote these words, fixing and helping create a distance between people, an experience of difference. We cannot serve at a distance. We can only serve to that which we are profoundly connected, that which we are willing to touch. Fixing and helping are strategies to repair life. We serve life not because it is broken, but because it is holy. 
Serving requires us to know that our humanity is more powerful than our expertise. And in ICUU, we're convinced that we're not talking about helping each other in Unitarian Universalist communities around the world. We're not talking about fixing, but we are talking about serving. And we are called to serve each other in whatever ways we can. It's more, more powerful than our knowledge, our understandings, or even our wisdom. It's what love really is. Amy Collins, Commission Lay Leader, UU Society of Cleveland. And Edwin Markham poem. Um, The poem is, He drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the will to win. He drew a cir- we drew a circle and took him in. Scott Taylor, Director of Congregational Life and Multisite Expert. One of the quotes that I actually keep on my bulletin board um, that relates to this is by the Reverend Mark Morrison Reed. That quote is, Alone our vision is too narrow to see all that must be seen and our strength too limited to do all that must be done. Together, our vision widens and our strength is renewed. And now the big question. How is Unitarian and Unitarian Universalism as a religious denomination uniquely positioned to serve and impact society? Reverend Rena Shear. Well, one thing that I'm very proud about in terms of Unitarian Universalism is that we have the courage to take on issues that can be very divisive. And I'm thinking about um, race relations. I'm thinking about immigration policy. I'm thinking about issues with the LGBT community and just continuing to put ourselves out there saying that each person is important, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Um, There are so many disparities in our society and And I'm very drawn to Unitarian Universalism because we continue to work for the marginalized and to give voice to the marginalized and to to say, look at the humanity, look at the creativity, look at the person in each of these voices. And I just think that 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 to me is is really the bedrock of our faith, is, is looking at every person as an individual and every person as a child of God and every person having very, very, having an important place in our world. Luke and Amber Scott. I think one of the things that I've taken from being UU is tolerance and very much being go with the flow. And really what that translates into is adaptability. I think As a denomination, we're very adaptable. We use the democratic process, so it's possible for change to happen. And because of that, our faith is fluid and can respond to the needs of present day. Um, You know, we live in the moment. We we act. We don't. We don't. You know, we act and make change when we need it. Um, And it's possible just the way that we're set up. Mm -hmm. One thing that I'm pretty excited about with Unitarian Universalism is that I think we have a great 
potential to work with other groups in order to uh, create common good. So whether that's working with interfaith organizations in order to pursue a social justice cause. I think Unitarian Universalism, perhaps more so than some other denominations as well, set up to celebrate differences rather than trying to ameliorate differences. So I think that's something that we have potential for. Carrie Stewart. Well, this comes from my own particular bias, um, but I think that uh, racial justice um, should be the center of our faith. I think our faith compels us to create that beloved community that we all seek. And so if we make um, racial and social justice kind of the cornerstones of our work and the focus of our work, I think we can literally change the world. Casey Slack. Oh, all kinds of ways. You know, I think a lot about something that Meg Riley said at Summer Institute several years ago, um, that the the good news of Unitarian Universalism is that you're okay. I think that might be the whole answer. I could say more, but we have good news, and we just need to remember that we have we have really good news, and it's that you're okay, and we love you. Peggy Lagadney. One of the principles is a call for social justice work, and to be able to go out into the world and try to make a difference for the better. You know, there are so many ways you can do that. There are people that are active. Well, the Gay Pride Parade. Yeah. Um, there are the Unitarian congregations dressed up as angels and hecklers. They stand in front of the hecklers as, uh-huh. you know, as the parade goes by. Then there are people, Greater Cleveland congregations. There are social justice issues that they deal with, and our congregation is very active with that. Meg Riley. Well, oh boy, I could, I could have done the whole thing on this. I mean, if you look at the data on what people are looking for, it's us. They're looking for a multi-faith, multi-metaphorical, non-authoritarian, poetic way to make meaning and hope. And I feel like that the days when people are looking for answers as things fall apart, the answers have fallen apart and people know that. And so I feel like what we can offer is accompaniment for for a very broken world as we face climate change, which you know now is a huge focus this for you use as we as we face the loss of privilege and the understanding that that's a good thing to lose privilege. I feel like Unitarian Universalism is is there not in a way to say like we're the rock, you know, as as um. Peter Mayer's song says, you know, it's the river. God is the river, not the rock. And I think understanding that we are in that flow, which is sometimes very turbulent, sometimes very smooth, is something really beautiful and not only beautiful, also incredibly painful, but there is um, there's such relief in knowing that you're not alone. Reverend Melanie Davis? I think our emphasis on social justice and action is really important. And the fact that it can be threaded through so much of what we do and whether it's somebody who, you know, the most that they can do is put food in the food box 
on a Sunday morning. But that's still something that's encouraged and and respected. Um, To those who are able to march or give big talks to big crowds or to, you know, those of us who are doing social justice through our direct work, like me with the OWL program, and those who are sending their children to OWL or attending an OWL class as an adult, um, that whole working toward understanding our place in the universe and our responsibility to other people, I think, is, is how we can change the world. Reverend Joe Cherry. I think the way that we can help our world is by using our experience that we have in walking with each other when we don't agree. So we practice interfaith life already all the time. You know, we are able and encouraged to use readings from the Christian text, the Jewish text, the Buddhist text, the Muslim text, the Bhagavad Gita. We know that there is wisdom tucked away in every corner of of the human experience, of the human endeavor. And so we are the people who already have the experience, like how to talk to the the people at the masjid or how to talk to people at the temple. We already have a place to, we already know a place to start. And we can be the ones to help bridge from one group to another. We have obviously not total familiarity with all those faiths, but we have some familiarity with them. And we are the ones who can say, here is where the atheist and the agnostic and the Christian and the pagan and the Buddhist, here is a place that you can all share, you know. In the Dalai Jing, there's this image of a lump of clay that you hollow out to make a bowl, um, to make a vessel. It's the space in the middle of the vessel that makes it useful. So that is our space. That is our holy space, where the humanist and the Christian can come together, where the Buddhist and the nature worshiper and the pagan can come together. That space in the middle where we don't meet at an exact point, that is our holy space. It is where all our growth and magic, little um, magic happens, maybe big magic, who knows, happens there in that in that space that we hold for each other. And because we hold that space all the time, we are the natural people to come to when space needs to be held. It is in our DNA. You know, a couple of years ago, when um, there was a senator, a Muslim senator elected in Minnesota, I think it was, mm-hmm. Keith Ryerson or something like that, and he got sworn in on a Quran, and there was a big giant stink about that. Do you remember that? Um, because, of course, when you go, go into office, you swear in the Bible, well, he is Muslim, so he swore in a Quran. There's a big stink about it. The Quran blocked, belonged to Thomas Jefferson, second president of the United States, and Unitarian. I mean, so this has been our thing for a long... This is not a new... From 1962, this is us. As It's deep in our DNA. And as the world becomes... There are more and more of us who are multiracial children. There are more and more of us who are multi cultural children, multi-faith children. We are the place they can come. We are the bridge builders. You know, I mean, that's our, that is in our DNA. And I think that is how we can help change the world. We can help people who don't know each other meet. And we can hold the space for them as they meet and get to know each other. That's what I think. That's, right. that's one man's opinion. Reverend Renee Rahutsky. I believe that our faith is big enough to include everyone with their gifts, their passions, in a way that we are called to use them to bend the arc of the universe toward justice. 
And I think that at, when we are our best selves, we offer that to the world. Reverend Dr. Susan Ritchie. Well, I'd have to go back to how comfortable we are in mixing and being multi-religious. Um, you know, of so many religious traditions depend on their identity, kinds of pure forms of um, identification where, you know, you are something and there's a clear boundary between that and the next thing. And that's just not how people live today. It's not how millennials live. It's not what the new kind of cultural trends are. So I think the fact that we've always been comfortable saying that religion is a dialogue between people who don't agree and who don't have to to agree, I think that really positions us well in the contemporary moment. Reverend Steve Dick. Unitarian Universalism, Unitarianism, uh, the Freisinigan for the what the Dutch call it, the way we're uniquely positioned to serve and impact society, I believe, is that we are have a powerful opportunity to bring people who care about the world and each other together in a religious and spiritual way across boundaries and cultures to foster freedom in religion. Not just freedom between religions or freedom for religions, but freedom in religion in the interest of spiritual justice, peace, and harmony. Because it is only with the fetters really open, the real embodiment of an open mind and an open faith, not bound by culture or dogma or creed or sexuality or race or all the kind of barriers and boundaries that we put down, can we really reach across to each other in the way we desperately need to model and to show to each other to counteract the desperate and world-killing differences of those who cannot offer opportunities to reach across boundaries. Unitarian Universalism is a model to the world and how differences can unite us rather than divide us. Amy Collins and Deb Cheney, Commission Lay Leaders. I made reference to the fact that we believe a lot of different things, (laughs) Unitarian Universalists do, and uh, we're described often as a, a pluralist religion in that we draw from many different religions. And I think that so much of the tension and political insanity that goes on right now has to do with the the tension that people have in creating a us and them mentality, a sense of, you know, whether it be we have the right religion or we have the right political beliefs, et cetera, and you're wrong. Um, and then that creates conflict instead of a kind of, you know, there's room for all of us and that, different people may be believing similar things, but putting different names on it <laughs> kind of thing. And and I think that Unitarian Universalism really recognizes, um, you know, it's in our purposes and principles, recognizing the inherent worth and dignity of all people. That includes people who don't believe the same things we do. And so Unitarian Universalists are able to kind of create a bridge And I think that that's what we need. You know, it's kind of like our political system being so partisan. You know, well, if we didn't all worry about whether we were Republicans, Democrats, Independents, et cetera, maybe we could actually agree on some specific ideas and values. 
And I think we're kind of that to religion, you know, that we focus on what we have that's similar as part of the human experience as opposed to what divides us and what makes us other. Deb? I really think that if there was ever a time when Unitarian Universalism was needed in the world, it's now because um, the world and all of us are hungry for respect and compassion um, and understanding and the opportunity to be heard. And I think our faith is uniquely poised to be able to provide opportunity for all those things. Um, Our faith has been a welcoming faith um, and this is surely a time where folks need to feel welcomed. Scott Taylor, Director of Congregational Life and Multisite Expert. Oh, you know, especially right now, you know, as I think, as you know, I think about just recently the, the events in Baltimore or with Ferguson on all of our hearts and, and minds. Um, and you could list so many things. I think we're all very aware from the the racial justice challenges to environmental challenges to just daily living ch- challenges, our culture is one that is very hard on our spirits. And I think we live in a time where it's clear that folks live in a culture that really does separate them, that separates them from their deepest selves, from life's gifts, from needs greater than their own. And that we as a tradition have always seen our gift to the world, not so much being the forgiveness of sins. And again, I don't mean to be negative on that. There's the Christian tradition that has that focus is offers powerful gifts. But for us, our gift has always been instead of offering healing or forgiveness from sin, we've always wanted to offer the gift of healing, spiritual disconnection. And in a culture that is leaving people very disconnected from their deepest selves, life's gifts and needs greater than their own. Um, Our movement uh, is especially called, I think right now to offer a healing that's deeply needed. And that would be just the healing of spiritual disconnection. All right. I hope you enjoyed those quotes and the answers to the big question. I appreciate the fact that everyone is listening and throughout the 12 countries and four continents. And if you have a chance, please go to iTunes, subscribe, and review the show. Let us know who you would like to hear in the future. And also in the show notes, you will find all of those quotes that you heard all in one place on the episode 14 section of the uuperspective.com. All right, until next time, we'll see ya. Bye.